Well, let's begin sh yeah. shooting from the hip. Time for Biden. Oh, nice, nice. What we know about segue. this president is if he's given four more years, he'll be what he's been for the last four years. The president takes no responsibility, refuses to lead, blames others, cozies up to dictators, and fans the flames of hate and division. He'll wake up every day believing the job is all about him, never about you. Is that the American you want for you, your family, your children? I see a different American, one that's generous and strong, selfless and humble, an American we can rebuild together. Love is more powerful than hate. Hope is more powerful than fear. And light is more powerful than dark. This is our moment. This is our mission. A history be able to say that the end of this chapter of American darkness began here tonight. Love and hope and light join in the battle to solve the nation. And this is a battle we will win and we'll do it together. I promise you. Thank you. May God bless you. May God protect our troops. I was really impressed that he got everybody's name right. God? <laughs> he got God's name right? <laughs> During his whole speech, he did not mess up one time. Like, Holy cow, he did it. He pulled it off. <laughs> this is the funny thing is that for months and weeks and whatever, you know, um, the you know Trump and, and whoever else likes to speak for him have been hyping up that Joe is senile, Joe, Joe is, is mentally deteriorating. And all he had to do to dispel that was deliver a competent 23-minute speech. It's like the easiest setup. <laughs> well, the do you know the conspiracy theory that's going on right now about that? No. There's a bunch of clips where in some videos he's wearing a watch and in other in his actual <laughs> speech he's not, so they think it was pre-recorded. I don't know. This this is right. I was looking up today the uh, Melania Trump stunt double theories. There's, there's a lot of good stuff out there. <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff. I haven't researched it. I mean, Gumby and I disagree on the moon landing thing, but uh, you, I think you can you can make anything look a certain way. Um, but I am I, I do want to look into that because I am generally concerned about you know some of the clips I've saw with his speech, and so I want to see if they did perhaps pre-record. I'm gonna have to watch it again now. And watch some of those. Now like, I'm people will point out to say he had a lapel or something. In one, and it wasn't there in the actual like live area, and it, he had a watch in one, and it wasn't there. Now watches slide up and down, so yeah. I'm not gonna bite, but it is something like, well, that I could see that happening because people were really it. concerned. I'm just it. asking questions. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was really impressed. I watched, I I watched it though, while yeah. he was doing it, quote unquote live, and right. um, I was like, hmm, I'm really I, the yeah. fact that he made it all the way through with. The tears. with Without like without him calling his his wife his sister or something you know it's like wow he he pulled it off so so <laughs> why would you I mean was he known for that he stumbles all the time yeah so well this, he doesn't so always this, so this either. speech was kind of out of character then this was probably the best one I have seen him do in a long time yeah. the generous interpretation is he's kind of a word soup kind of guy especially when he's speaking off the cuff. So people make a big deal of Joe Biden being old, and yes, he would be the oldest president ever, and yes, when I see him speaking, like I see a picture of him, I'm like, I just keep thinking in my mind, yeah, he's old. He's old. But How old is he? Let's keep in, let's keep in mind, Trump could have gone to high school with him. That's They're true. not that far apart in age. Uh, one yeah. would have been a, fr a freshman, and one would have been a senior, but they could have gone to high school together. 
Trump is no spring chicken here. True. Yeah, yeah that is 100% true. Yeah, but hey. Uh, even on Biden's worst speech, it's got to be better than Trump's, though. I, I haven't <laughs> seen any of his. I've Biden's seen some speeches. clips, and I wonder if they're doctored on the other side where it's like. Trump's? No, Biden's, <laughs> oh, Biden's where it's just like the slur of uh, incomprehensible words and but uh, but to me i'm like i don't know it could be a smear campaign i i didn't validate the video so well that's because trump's got good words the best words <laughs> the best words so, so good words <laughs> i've right. done more for words than anyone <laughs> now we move to no the rnc oh you know what gumby that's a great idea let's move to another beer yeah all right and, uh, I'll be right back. While, while he does that, we are going to take a moment for our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to train Muay Thai? Perhaps there's no gyms near you. Perhaps you work odd hours. Perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, you can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country. Either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. LivingMuayThai.com And we're going to be touching on the RNC. Before we do that, though, we poured ourselves some Elvis juice. Uh -huh. That sounds <laughs> disgusting. Don't be cruel. Let me get on my blue suede shoes. So, this is an IPA like no other. Elvis Juice puts grapefruit center stage, primed with oh. tart, pithy grapefruit peel for a citrus assault on the senses. This zest zenith delivers intense U.S. hop aromas. Gigantic grapefruit notes are tailgated by orange and pine, all piled high on a caramel malt base. <gasps> this rig is juiced up. <laughs> And ready to roll. It has, oh it has an like ABV of 6.5. Okay. 6 grapefruit is the best beer fruit. So, I don't care what anyone says. I agree. Hey, Jim Graffigan disagrees. <laughs> I also disagree. And I think I made a comment to the guys that I, I think we have two liberal beers. <laughs> to me, we need this conservative one. <laughs> uh, this one also is, again, a little bit... Um, mm, it's a libertarian for me. Oh, it might be a little bit. Oh, we'll be touching on that later. So <laughs> this one is a, a little bit hazy, yeah, um, but more golden. This one's much more it's golden. It's pretty. Real yeah. pretty. It's got that, that almost like that, uh, that amber hue. Mm -hmm. It's got that amber hue to it. Yeah, like a honey. Not much of it. Not much. Uh, it it smells good. It, I, it has a almost a flowery aroma to it. But it's not. It doesn't hit you though. No, it I doesn't like hit it. you. Is there bubble gum in this? Bubble gum flavor? <laughs> I feel like I taste kazoo bubble gum. Ooh. Or like bubblicious bubble. Gum. I'm sorry. That's got a great flavor. I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Bubble that's got a great flavor. Be drunk. <laughs> what, is, what is bubblegum show up in beer? Well, I've had that before from Fatheads. They... I don't yeah. sense the bubblegum, but the grapefruit is buried a little bit by something even more fruity. I taste the grapefruit. I taste the grapefruit, yeah. but it's not overpowering. Mm, There's almost no. something sweeter. And it's it, it's that peel, right? That the peel is kind of it's like it's it's gently sitting yeah. in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Mm. It's good. 
Although I still taste a hint of bubble gum. I do like this. It it I will say it tastes different coming out of the growler than mm-hmm. it does in the can. Mm. Um because this is one of the ones I will occasionally drink at the gym. Um, for those who don't know, at Revolution Fight Fitness, where I teach, we actually have a gym, or rather, a bar in the gym. <laughs> so, so afterwards, you can rehydrate. Beer is <sighs> great for rehydration. It's an IPA as well. So I do think the, the hops and the grapefruit, I, it's sort of like I can't tell what I'm tasting. Is It's hoppy or is it grapefruity? Is it, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yeah. wish I had that Jim Gaffigan clip with the grapefruit. He does a great segment he on does, grapefruit. Yeah. Oh, my God. He talks about how doctors use it to compare tumors. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> a great segment. It's the size of a grapefruit. Right? Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Looks he, like you may have a tumor the size of a grape, and they're oh, like, oh, that's you. great. Like, grapefruit, I didn't finish. <laughs> He's the best. I love Gaffigan. He's been beating up on Trump lately, Jim Gaffigan. Has he? Yeah. Oh, man, when do we get to talk, <laughs> talk about Jim Gaffigan? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love the guy. I love him even more now. Hey. Yeah. Oh, man, he's been hitting him hard then. I mean, he outright somewhat vulgar language to people who were supporting him. And I, I guess in some dialogue in that context, not just a broad thing, but. Hey, any comedian that opens up for the Pope. Just saying. <laughs> this is actually a really interesting thing. I, I actually tweeted out that I thought the, the Gaffigans were some of our, our greatest evangelists of the 21st century. Yes. In light of those tweets. And and the reason why is they really opened themselves up to a lot of um, you know Catholic media platforms in the past couple of years. Um, they talk about their faith. But at the same time, if you ever actually looked at their art, you never got confused that they were like super Trumpy or anything like that. And quite the contrary. I mean, the Jim Gaffigan show, you know, deals with a lot of uncomfortable stuff that mm-hmm. Catholics go, at least some Catholics. <laughs> right. Yeah. He goes, you know, I don't read the Bible much. I don't have to, because I'm Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite part was like that first or second episode of his show. And he's like, uh, he's going to church with his wife and like the priest is like, who is this guy? And like, she's like, this is my husband. And he's like, I thought you were a widow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He says when they see his wife, they're often like uh, a gasp. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) That's your wife. (laughs) He's funny. He says his wife is like a Shiite Catholic. She's like really Catholic. (laughs) Says, you know, so I call her up sometimes and I pretend I'm the devil. This is the El Diablo. (laughs) (laughs) He's hysterical, man. Yes, he is. All right, moving into the R and all thirty-nine votes for President Donald J. Trump. I proudly cast all nineteen of Hawaii's votes for the re-election of Donald J. Trump. Madam Chairman, Louisiana proudly cast its forty-six votes for President Donald J. Trump. North Carolina proudly cast all seventy votes for President Trump. The biggest little delegation of the state of Rhode Island proudly stands united to cast our ninth vote for President Donald J. Trump. And it's an honor for us to support, support us. 123 delegate votes. The next president of the United States to, to delay his full-time relocation back to his home state of Florida Donald J. Trump for the 
president of the United States. In much of the Democratic Party, it's... All right. Uh, so, first off... Were those hostages? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they were rescued. It's... it's <laughs> if they were trying to show diversity, they really failed. There was a female representative, at least. Diversity in, in, in thought, you mean? Or just, like, racial diversity? Yes. Oh. <laughs> See, I, I'm just not even looking at that. I, I get it. That's that's the filters lately, but, yeah. Yeah, matter. who are you, Disney? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's, here's a former ambassador. It's now fashionable to say that America is racist. That is a lie. America is not a racist country. Just a Republican this is Party. personal for me. I am the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. They came to America and settled in a small southern town. My father wore a turban. My mother wore a sari. I was a brown girl in a black and white world. We faced discrimination and hardship, but my parents never gave in to grievance and hate. Now, and that's good. And I, I'm glad that she was able to progress. I've learned in, in something. That. I didn't know that. I mean, that's sorry. Yeah. The only thing is, is I will bring it up again. Um, we'll know when we've hit that plateau when we don't have to bring that up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't hold your breath on that one, buddy. <laughs> Next. I, I think oh, some, some of the argument is like people bring it up when it benefits them at times. It's political yeah. now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a platform. <laughs> Don't let the Democrats take you for granted. Don't let them step on you. Don't let them destroy your families, your lives, and your future. Don't let them kill future generations because they told you and brainwashed you and fed you lies that you weren't good enough. What's that? Like my parents. Turkey. You can achieve your American dream. Joe Biden. Who the heck was oh, that? they missed it. They didn't put it in. She was so angry. How fast is that? To come. That's Gilfoyle. That was what was that? Gilfoyle. How did they miss that part? They missed what is that happening? part. That was that was probably oh. the best part. I think she's the only speaker where you actually had to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa! Hold on! Hold on! It's a firecracker right there. There was yeah. some there was some meme I didn't look too much into about her and uh Trump Jr. doing Coke before this meme. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're bringing him up. And the radical left are now coming for our freedom of speech. They want to bully us into submission. If they get their way, it will no longer be the silent majority. It will be the silenced majority. This has to stop. Freedom of expression used to be a liberal value, at least before the radical left took over. Now the Republican Party is the home of free speech, the place where anyone from any background can speak their mind, and may the best ideas win. Ooh, I feel I felt Jesus in that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're talking to evangelicals. It sounds very uh, like I wouldn't be shocked if he took up an offering after that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who was that? That was Junior. Was that Eric? Oh, that was Junior. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. I will say this. After hearing him, I think QVC has the new pitch man. Because like, <laughs> it's like his whole thing was just like, if you want it, yes, this is your guy. If you want it, 
this is your guy. If you want it, this is. It's like, all right, ShamWow guy, you've got nothing on him. <laughs> An interesting thing came up with, with Trump Jr. and um, like basically almost every other member of his family that spoke uh, was that usually at a convention, you use a speech by a family member to like tell a personal story, to kind of like personally endear you to the candidate. And to a person, almost none of his family did that. It was straight, like, whatever the Republicans were talking about. Um, and, and other speakers had a few nods to, you know, how nice of a guy Trump is in private, which is actually a really popular, you know, thing to do is is to, as a Trump uh, uh, water carrier, like one of the official people who probably gets paid, is to, you know, talk about the Donald Trump, you know, behind closed doors, you know, the uh, the what's their face that one televangelist saying that you know Trump is a baby Christian I saw him give his life to Christ that kind of stuff like that to always talk about the secret Trump because the secret Trump's a really nice guy <laughs> but not even his kids know that guy <laughs> I think Epstein thought that too I mean well I, I, I he was definitely a big Trump supporter yeah he was yeah, but so were the Clintons I guess but <laughs> so were the Clintons <laughs> <sighs> In world. fact, they all of them were quite buddy buddy at one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably still are. Yep. Behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ride on the Lolita Express. <laughs> next. Who do we got next? I that- think often about my ancestors who struggled for freedom. And as I think of those giants and their broad shoulders, I also think about Joe Biden who says, if you aren't voting for me, you ain't black. Who argued that Republicans would put us back in chains, who says there is no diversity of thought in the black community. Mr. Vice President, look at me. I am black. We are not all the same, sir. I am not in chains. My mind is my own. And you can't tell me how to vote because of the color of my skin. All right, I'm going to actually Go agree with Go that. Ahead. And I'm going to speculate yeah. that Biden is also racist. <laughs> Oh, I got a bell for me. (laughs) I agree with that in principle. I really do. Wait, two old white guys are potentially racist? (laughs) But but one is marketing themselves as totally not, you know, and and to say things like, if you're not voting for me, you're not black. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Do I think there may have been a little brown nosing to get a job? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he was kissing a little bit, but I... Well, I do in think in principle I do agree with that. Oh yeah, in principle I do. And I'm glad that Trump brought all four of his black supporters out. <laughs> <laughs> I did use TikTok for about 2 weeks and there are a lot of black supporters on TikTok. I was kidding. I it's say. it's it's I was just being funny. I was just being funny. Yeah, I actually know I I've known more this time than I've known ever probably from yeah. Republicans. Yeah, personally, but Remind me, don't me forget. I have a, I have a story, inside story, mm-hmm. from a uh, from somebody who worked for him, for Trump. Uh huh. Wow. Hey, getting back to this beer for so a second. So we'll come back to that. How come you guys don't taste bubble gum, oh, man? I What's up with that? What kind of bubble gum did you like? Bubblicious, just like a, like really? a little thing of bubblicious no. or something. Nothing. Not, not tasting it. Nope. Not at all. Man, I don't I, taste bubble gum gum because delicious. he didn't run it over to me. It's delicious. <laughs> I mean that in the positive sense, though. It reminds me of something I drank at Fatheads before. That their bubble gum flavor beer or something. Wow. <laughs> it's really good. Really, uh, this hmm. is this is great, Aaron. I like this beer a lot. Elvis juice, my I man. I like it better Elvis than juice. mine. <laughs> 
Elvis juice. The can is pretty cool too. Don't be cool. <laughs> Everybody can do an Elvis ah. impression. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Next speaker. <laughs> because of the president's determination and leadership, oh, ISIS God. caliphate is yep. wiped out. Mike Pompeo. Its evil leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, is dead. And our brave soldiers, they're on their way home. President exited the U.S. from the disastrous nuclear deal with Iran and squeezed the Ayatollahs, Hezbollah, and Hamas. President Putin moved the U.S. Embassy to this very city of God, Jerusalem, the rightful capital. Jewish homeland. Just two weeks ago, the president brokered a historic peace deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. This is the deal that our grandchildren will read about in their history books. I want to acknowledge. Oh, you gotta stop. Yeah, <laughs> stop. I know I have to stop right there. I'm gonna make you an offer you can't refuse, huh? <laughs> this is the most important speaker for a podcast called Bible Over Brews. Which <laughs> one? The one that just spoke. Yes, Pompeo, could, precisely because he, you know, talked about moving the embassy to Jerusalem because yeah. it was all about Trump supposedly fulfilling a prophecy believed by many of his wow. evangelical supporters. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy's... <laughs> yep. Yeah. That, he's just a neocon. That's all I, that's all <laughs> I can say. Wow. Pro-war, they profit from war. They profit from anything war. Yeah. I will say... I only have, uh, I have a small circle of veteran friends, and most of them, they're they're older veterans, but the younger veteran that I've talked to, who served mostly during Obama, said when Trump came into office, um, proceeds and funding towards the military went up drastically. I don't know, but I, I do think there's a lot of military supporters for Trump. Because oh, yeah. of that, well, yeah, it's, it's Republican in general. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Interestingly, I'm... though, the Military Times just did their poll and found that Trump was actually losing thirty-seven to forty-three, mm. which is actually quite remarkable for a Republican politician. Well, you know why, right? See all the stories coming out. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was done before those stories. No, that what? poll. Why? So, so um, <laughs> I I should have I should have cued this. Um, so Trump told, uh, some of his internal people in his cabinet about how much he hated going to pay respects at military funerals. Um, he said he couldn't understand why people would join the military. They're morons. They get nothing out of it. Um, yeah, he actually refused to go to one of the, the, uh, cemeteries to pay respects, which he got flat for, he got flack for. And on top of that, he hated John McCain. Um, turns out that he refused to lower the flag for him. And there was a standoff in the White House. And then he finally relented and let them do it. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so he's losing big time with veterans because he has no respect for veterans. Yeah. yeah. In the long run, I'm not sure if that'll how much weight that'll hold with the military because... It seems as long as there's avenues for war, that's enough to, to keep them voting. Oh, and I'll add, that correspondence was from Fox News. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it reminds me not too much different than, you know, Henry Kissinger saying the same thing about military, calling them pigs. Wow. 
you know, on record. And, you know, was he a Republican though under Nixon? No. So like, you know, like you brought up earlier, like what these, these values that we have, they are interchangeable. They have been in American politics. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Republicans and Democrats have swapped platforms several times. Mm-hmm. So have the Democrats put, um, I mean, it feels like the campaign has not been anything tangible at this point, but are they going to like offer what their uh, ramifications are for the military? Like, are they going to cut military spending, raise military spending, keep it as is? I haven't heard anything but racial stuff these days, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I honestly haven't heard, and I try to look into that, but yeah, it's been pretty off the radar. I think people are really focused on the domestic stuff right now. Right. We are here, but yeah, I mean, our wars haven't stopped. I mean, our inter, our democratic interventions haven't stopped. I'm sorry, not wars. I also, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen the Democrats approach military budget at all. So, like Pompeo that you just played. I mean, he eats, breathes, and sleeps Iran. Mm. He just can't wait till we are full out war with him. You know? That's probably the only thing I've heard about is I think they would. I think I've heard things that they would try to reinstate the Iran deal, which a lot of other countries thought was a good idea, <laughs> not just us. Yeah. But uh, I, I've, I've heard there's, there is some animus about, uh, you know, some stuff about Trump having a, just a severe animus against anything Obama and really wanting to undo anything he gets credit for. Um, to the point there was a, a rumor this week about uh, like him having an uh, Obama like stand-in that he could like yell at. <laughs> what? <laughs> Like there's something during the 2016 campaign. Like he literally had a guy pretend to be Obama. Oh, this is from uh, um, uh, Cohen's. I forget his first name. The, the lawyer for Trump. Michael Who honestly isn't 100% trustworthy, but also probably isn't 100% trustworthy. Yeah, no, Mike, Michael Cohen. Yeah. Michael Cohen. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a like a preview from his upcoming book talking about the the Obama uh, stunt double or, or insult double, I should say. <laughs> That's nuts. Was it one of those? Was it Peely? And was it one? Of, was it that dude that always imitated Obama? Oh, Keith Peely. Oh, yeah, Keith Peely. What a great job. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> those were great. Yeah. Thank you. And his uh, anger management <laughs> specialist. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. When they do like Obama, oh my gosh, oh, it cracks me. It's up. great. Oh my lord, that's great. They do a better Obama than Obama. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next speaker. We'll read about it in this I want to acknowledge Melania. That since March, our lives have changed drastically. The invisible enemy COVID-19 swept across our beautiful country and impacted all of us. My deepest sympathy goes out to everyone who has lost a loved one. My prayers are with those who are ill or suffering. Like all of you, I have reflected on the racial unrest in our country. It is a harsh reality that we are not proud of parts of our history. I encourage people to focus on our future while still learning from our past. We must remember that today we are all one community comprised of many races, religions, and ethnicities. Our diverse and storied history 
is what makes our country strong. And yet, we still have so much to learn from one another. So it's money, right? It's got to be money, right? <laughs> <laughs> how do, I'm just going to say, how do we know she's a documented American? <laughs> do we know that? You know, I haven't seen her birth certificate. Let's start, let's start a whole new birther movement. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know what Trump said, right? About as far as your, as far, hold on. <clears throat> Uh-oh. So, Mike. Yes, Aaron. Were you born in Ohio? I was. Okay, you're fine then. You, you were too, right? Uh, si, senor. Okay. <laughs> I was not. I was born, <gasps> I was born in Virginia. Okay? okay. But I live in Ohio. So according to Trump, you know what that means? I was born in Ohio. Because I rejected Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said that. I love that logic. I love it. That's oh, like man. common core math, man. I love it. It's, it's airtight to me. <laughs> Seems legit. <laughs> no, uh, in respects to Melania and Michelle and all the first ladies, it's got to be so tough to be under so much scrutiny and the microscope that's filtered through whatever it is your husband does or doesn't do. That's got to be tough. So I, I, in a sense, I mean, whether or not they're innocent or they're just as guilty or whatever, I kind of got to tip my hat to them. I feel for Melania because she has to deal with all that. can't see them ever (laughs) cuddling. Can you? No, that's a big thing. Like they keep catching him trying to grab her hand and she keeps like pulling it away. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So I was reading a, a, a Melania Trump biography. It's called The Art of Her Deal. And um, great title, by the way. Uh, but uh, the biographer makes it very clear that Melania takes care of Melania. Like, there's actually a big a big thing where she didn't move into the White House for several months, supposedly to renegotiate the prenup. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and, and apparently that's like the one, one of the few voices that Trump is afraid of. Like, he's got to run it by Melania. Wow. Is is it just me or does uh, her kids not quite look like Trump? I don't know. Ah, just saying. Oh, <laughs> anyway, next speaker. If the Democrats had their way, they would keep you locked Marcia in Blackburn. your house until you become dependent on the government for everything. That sounds a lot like communist China to me. Maybe that's why Joe Biden is so soft on them. Why Nancy Pelosi says that China would prefer Joe Biden. Yep, yes <laughs> they would. That's actually a nice zinger. I love it when they pose it as a question like, "Yeah, what are you, what are you doing with apples?" <laughs> I, I've got nothing. Uh, I like her. She should run. <laughs> I, I I can't totally dismiss the first part of what she said in terms of the dependency upon government. Yeah. Uh I could see some of that argument in principle. Yeah. I think Trump voters though are the most dependent on government out of anybody. Like subsidies go disproportionately to rural areas, actually. Yeah. So even before the lockdown, like, you know, they were big recipients of, you know, stuff like you know, Medicaid and food stamps and all that. Yeah. And this changed during the Trump administration? No, no, no. Although I, I would say I, I 
wager that uh, I remember as a popular talking point on conservative talk radio that, oh, 50% of uh, people don't pay any income taxes. And I would wager under the Republican, you know, tax law that they put out in, you know, 2017 that fewer people actually pay any income taxes. I, I actually, when you count everything, I have a decent job. I'm a computer programmer. I have thousands of dollars in income tax credits under the, I do really well under the Trump tax plan, I, to be honest, despite being not a Trump supporter. And I wager basically anybody with a few kids and not making a ton of money now gets taxed more, you know, they don't, they don't pay income taxes. So yeah. there are a lot of people who don't pay income taxes because of Republicans. This is where my value, I, I think in politics, I'm, I'm more of a libertarian, so to speak. In, ter- in in this in this part where I think the idea of big government can be bipartisan and Democrats and Republicans be- can become dependent upon the government when it grows so big mm-hmm. so so uh, you know I'm not just faulting Democrats for that because I think it happens too on a Republican side uh, but you know in terms of like government assistance like a welfare and all of that it's always a democratic push that's true that. mm-hmm. yeah so and I, I i don't know if that really helps yeah An interesting thing i heard is that actually democrats and republicans moralize welfare in different ways so democrats tend to moralize like corporate welfare, like only, you know, corporations shouldn't be doing certain things in order to get, you know, subsidies or tax credits or whatnot. Mm-hmm. While Republicans moralize welfare towards the poor, like for instance, with, you know, SNAP or food stamps, putting all these different rules on the things you can and can't buy or adding the work requirements or, you know, doing various things that just to try to exclude certain people from certain benefits. Uh, so there's a lot of moralizing on both sides, whereas it would probably be a lot more efficient. You wouldn't need nearly as much bureaucracy, and a lot of people would be helped if you just were actually generous with the benefits. Um, there's, there's, uh, I think it's Annie, Annie Lowry. I forget which publication she works for. She has a book that I, I hope I'm, I'm not getting the title wrong, but I think the title is basically something like "Give Everyone Money." It's just like let's give people more money, and then this economy would grow like gangbusters. Hmm. Yeah. Hi. I don't know. Next speaker. <laughs> On May 1st, 2018, I followed in my mother's Kaylee. footsteps, choosing to get a preventative mastectomy. As I came out of anesthesia, one of the first calls I received was from Ivanka Trump. As I recovered, my phone rang again. It was President Trump calling to check on me. I was blown away. For decades, he has elevated women to senior positions in business and in government. Just step down. He -hmm. confides in and consults us, respects our opinions, and insists that we are on equal footing with the men. Walking the halls of the Trump Organization, I saw the same family environment. I also saw the countless women executives who thrived there year after year. Gender didn't matter. What mattered was the ability to get the job done. I learned this directly when, in 2016, my father-in-law asked me to help him win my cherished home state and my daughter's namesake, North Carolina. Though I had no political experience, he believed in me. 
he knew I was capable, even if I didn't. So am I the only one that was surprised they had other daughters besides Ivanka? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Wait, Lara's a daughter-in-law. <laughs> we haven't been talking about <sighs> Tiffany. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about all that. I don't I really don't. <laughs> I think it's I think it's embarrassing that she would say like I had no experience. Yeah. And yet my father select or father-in-law selected me to help him. Like No, <laughs> damn. Don't they got proofreaders? Right, exactly. That's pretty Who embarrassing to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, take her out and put any other government officially put in and that's already the rub. Why would you just perpetuate that? Gender doesn't matter if he wants something from you. But hair color might, because they were all blonde. They were all blonde. <laughs> oh. Common. Conway's notable. So that, as Gumby mentioned, I think it was Gumby mentioned that that was her last speech before exiting, um, which I'm surprised she actually did that speech considering the crisis that had happened the week before. Uh, I mean, that's the first I know of, but I'm actually kind of surprised it's the first instance I know of where a 15-year-old has taken down operatives on both sides in the span of a week because uh, Claudia Conway's uh, her, her yeah, the both Conway's daughter uh, George and uh, Kellyanne she put out some tweets to the effect of that I'm seeking emancipation due to years of psychological abuse and um, she's been challenging her mom's politics for a while but she even said you know her dad's no saint either and I don't agree with him much on anything but except Trump not having Trump there and both Conway's you know basically said oh we're done <laughs> Wow. So, good job, Quan. You know that's a that's a some serious uh, damage to wreak with to uh, political campaigns within the span of a week by a fifteen year old for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's. But please tell me it gets better than that. Let's find out. President Trump marshaled the full resources of our federal <laughs> government from the outset. It's Pence. He directed us to forge a seamless partnership with governors across America in both political parties. We partnered with private industry to reinvent testing and produce supplies that, that were distributed to hospitals around the world. Today, we're conducting more than 800,000 tests a day, and we have coordinated the delivery of billions of pieces of personal protective equipment for our amazing doctors, nurses, and healthcare workers. Please clap. <laughs> oh, 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 wait. Pardon me. Sorry. Fell asleep. <laughs> I, I don't know. If Trump, uh, Pence resonates with me. I'm going to say he does okay. like that. He gave numbers. I don't care if they're right or not. That's what I want. He's more presidential. Listen, I would agree. I, in terms I, of I would we... prefer him being president. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, he, I think he parades to. The evangelical directly. All right, well, I have a soft spot. Well, he for is. That. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he makes so, no, but, makes no but effort. But the national, the nationalistic evangelical. I mean, this is the man who replaced the name of Jesus Christ with Old Glory. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> so what's interesting about Pence is like it looks like you know when you just think of Pence that he was picked to be this. You know, he's just an evangelical fuddy-duddy that appears, appeals to a certain demographic. Um, but the genius of the Pence pick is that he's just mast, a master of BSing. Like, there was something, you know, an interview on the pandemic where he just went for, like, five minutes without answering the most basic of questions. <laughs> um, and in this speech, he actually, um, 
so he's always carried tons of water for Trump, but actually was the first time he repeated one of his one of Trump's most frequently made lies. So every press conference, um, there's a great guy you could follow on, on um, Twitter is a reporter named Daniel Dale, and he just his only job is to comment on Trump's speeches and note inaccuracies. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Um, but his hobby horse has been like Trump has lied like 167 or something times about passing a law called Veterans Choice, which was um, to allow veterans to seek health care from places other than the VA. And Trump, at basically every press conference, says, nobody said we could get this done. I got it done. The law was passed by, you know, was signed by Obama in 2014. <laughs> and this speech here was the first time that Pence said the exact same thing. Huh. Uh-huh. Yikes. Yeah, he's lied so many times, numerous times. <laughs> Although he is the best president for helping african-americans since abraham lincoln so Absolutely. he's even better than abraham lincoln. what are you talking about oh that's true he's got nothing on him <laughs> <laughs> moving, well, moving actually, he's very evangelical I mean, he makes no qualms to hide it not at all he's waiting for the rapture oh yeah wow oh yeah yeah so. hardcore I mean, if they can do anything to help bring it along, I mean, because you'll make a buck or two. Why is the embassy in Jerusalem, guys? Yeah, I mean, you know what? Pence was probably the one who pushed the whole Jerusalem thing. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, I believe a certain Jared Kushner. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Next. (laughs) Dad, people attack you for being unconventional, but I love you for being real. And I respect you for being effective. Our president refuses to surrender his what? beliefs wait, wait. to point with the political the elite. Happened? To my father, you are the elite. You are the only people he cares about scoring points with. If these problems were easy to solve, previous presidents would have done so. But you don't achieve different results by doing things the same way. Oh, sweet daddy's girl. Washington has not changed Donald Trump. Donald Trump has changed Washington. Whoa. Are we sure we should boast about that? <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should rock back on that one. <laughs> I really want to like what she's saying. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's nothing there. I mean, no, no. no. Yeah, at first I, like she stopped and paused. I w- wasn't sure what happened. I, yeah, I thought it was over. I thought, I thought that was she it. thought she tweeted. <laughs> like, and I was, oh no, I'm not tweeting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that I, uh, uh, nothing? Yeah, I don't uh, think like I don't it, even it, though he put his own people in there, sort of thing. I don't think he's changed Washington. No, he's just kind of like made it more confusing. Interesting. That. That that pokes at something deeper with me though. Yeah. Why? Why is it always the same no matter what? Side goes in. It's like yeah. 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 Same swamp, different monsters. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they are they are all blonde now. <laughs> same swamp, <laughs> different blonde monsters. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Hey, well, she's uh, well, by conversion, she's Jewish. Oh, that's true. That is true. <laughs> and according to Trump, she's hot. And oh, not is. just that, but Orthodox Jew. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, after all, he did say that, man, that would be his girl if it wasn't his daughter. 
my god. Yes. Even if you think it, don't say it. And what we've all been waiting for. So tonight I say to all Americans, this is the most important election in the history of our country. <laughs> there has never been such a difference between two parties or two individuals and in ideology, philosophy, or vision than there is right now. Together we are unstoppable. Together we are unbeatable. Because together we are the proud citizens. United States of America. I love you all. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you very much. Huh. <laughs> wow. That was hard to keep just, in. I mean, that like was hard was, to keep uh, in. I needed more than that. Right. There's this in there. I needed more than that. Oh, if you want the whole thing, it's like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I was just going to say more context. context. It was like 73 minutes. That's what the clip can't capture. It was the sleepiest, most boring it was speech. Like, he seemed totally uninterested. In, in most of it. You know, I'm glad you said that because I'd have a hot take that he does not want to be reelected. I think being a wealthy non-president is much more fun than being a wealthy I president. I buy it. Yeah. 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 And, well, he can throw he could throw so many bombs from the sideline if somebody else is president. And he's done it before. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, he may have been trying to do it this time because he gave <laughs> this really sleepy... That really... They showed you the only exciting parts of the <laughs> one hour and 18 minutes. <laughs> but did he say anything in the hour and 18 minutes that was like, this is how it's going to improve? No. No. Look. It was it was very long. It was very boring. It was very white bread. Very white bread. <laughs> so here's the thing. I mean, even if I didn't vote for him or if I'm not going to vote for Biden, I wouldn't disagree with everything they would say. There's right. got to be parts of it that i would agree with in of course every so speaker. E even even for trump there has to be some of that so i i can't totally dismiss anything that he said at the rnc i, I anymore yeah <laughs> and i'm a bit disappointed honestly that we didn't have jared kushner speak <laughs> i wonder why well because we would have had we would have had the minority in there oh ow I, hmm <laughs> so we can't claim that there aren't no minorities in the white house well, okay okay touche touche <laughs> jared's super interesting because any problem that trump gets tired of trying to fix it, he throws it over the water jared like middle east peace jared gets it no covid19 jared gets it every like the guy has been tasked with everything, and of course has accomplished nothing because he has no credentials for doing any of this. Like he tried to get, there's a big story about how he tried to get a bunch of his college buddies together to try to solve COVID-19 testing. And actually to his credit, they had something that was better than what we ended up with. <laughs> wow. Right, which is, yeah, what did we end up with? <laughs> well, at least our numbers are getting better. I mean, granted that's because we're testing less people a day, but they are getting better. Mm. We're we're a short turn away from a bad curve. It's I'm not looking forward to the fall. Under Ooh. under a Trump administration, you're saying we're getting better? Statistically, we have less people being infected every day. Mind you, we are also testing two thirds less people, but there are less people being infected. He's right. We are on a downward curve right now. He is right. Well, my daughter was just diagnosed with it. 
Oh, I'm sorry. From she goes to Ohio State, and so I do think college yeah. campuses right now, Hot high beds. school, oh, Hot high school. So Ooh. I do think you know, and and she's not gonna. She's I don't know. A few days in doesn't feel you know nothing but a cold. We're not concerned as a family, you know that kind of stuff. We don't really have a lot of the the commonalities, the the whatever is called comortality comor- type stuff. Comorbidities. So, comorbidities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One, so, of, one of my guys got it, um, and he it was terrible for him. Wow. It was terrible for him. He said that he had to, by the time he got to the top of the stairs, he had to stop for almost a full minute to catch his breath before proceeding to the next room. Wow. It was it was terrible. I mean how, it was bad. Wow. Um he's you're gonna ask how old he is. <laughs> well he also was, like the whole plethora of things, blood pressure, weight, think, age. No, you know he's he's I mean? actually he's in, in incredibly good shape. Yeah. Um he's forty I think he's around forty eight. Oh. So uh but he's an incredibly uh I think he was a twenty year Mason. Um I mean his for being in his forties, the guy's actually pretty ripped. Yeah. So he's in really good shape. Yeah. Um, he can he can pull more stuff than guys half his age. So yeah, I, yeah. it hits everybody a little bit different. But I I think my point to mention that is just with school in session. I agree, we're hitting. We're it's gonna be more bad news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think we let this virus naturally do what it was. All other viruses should naturally do. We yeah. intervened. We could say that, well, but should we try to protect the people who are liable to get sick? I mean, I, I, are you saying until there's a, a vaccine? No, I'm not going that far. I'm saying find out the people that it is infecting, find out the commonalities in that, and then try to protect that class of people. You know, wow. and that's, I mean, uh, listen, I have a <laughs> lot of issues with Andrew Como, but <laughs> to his credit, um, one of the really great things he said was, listen, I don't care if it only infects 1% of this city. He's like, I don't care if it's half of 1% of this city. He's like, those are still our people, and every one of their lives matters, and we need to make sure we protect them. So, yeah, I mean, we... How, Didn't help sending what, them to the nursing home. Yeah, what, what do we... No. At, at what place do we put a single human life? You know, so it's, we could say, yeah, let it run its course. But shouldn't we at some point be trying to protect, right? Well, yeah. I heard, yeah. Go ahead. I heard an interesting take on this. Is, is someone noted, and, and, you know, when I think about the plagues I know about, this makes sense, that we've never achieved herd immunity except through vaccines. When you think about smallpox, we might think about the plague. They just kept coming back yeah. until, you know, we either fix the underlying conditions in the case of smallpox until we had a vaccine. Yep. They just, there was just more waves and waves and waves over the centuries. So herd, herd immunity is kind of impossible. Yeah. Well, I don't it, know if you historically... can actually do a vaccine anyways for this. I mean, this is SARS. This is the, also the flu. So it's like, it's going to morph. It's not like a polio. You know, you can't vaccinate it. That's my, we're not, yeah, we're not going to get a hundred percent, but it, I mean, it, people are ostensibly working at vaccines and are having some successful trials. I'm confident yeah. we'll have something like we have yeah. something for the flu. A big it, part of the issue with the flu is we can't address all strains. And also we have a lot of people who just don't believe in vaccination anymore. I just wonder if it's going to be the same thing where it's, it's just like, I mean, they've already said people are being reinfected, which means the virus has already changed away yeah. from what the mean you mean yeah it mutates system. like what yeah. all viruses do so well, that's what i think we're which is the why same. vaccines and herd immunity you know 
like yeah i agree it will never be 100 mm percent um but it's how we dealt with all these other ones yeah but herd immunity historically doesn't work um let's take sweden for example they said we're going to use herd immunity except they lost twice as many people as any of the surrounding countries earlier but it's leveling off now it, it's level it's, it's leveling off but they still have more deaths <laughs> so i mean curious yeah, I'll have to look. I, I yeah. know the numbers were kind of even and out. Like, they didn't really... I don't, they spiked mm -hmm. quickly, but then everybody, I think... Yeah, I mean, they but they still lost twice as many people. So, I mean, so it, it really didn't work. Uh, yeah. well, I think we, we have a lot of templates for what worked. I mean, Japan has, like, less than... I don't know, I'm thinking of looking up here, like, 1,400 deaths. I mean, Japan. Japan has, like, 120-something million people. Yeah. And... They're packed in like sardines in Tokyo. Right. Tokyo has like less than 400 deaths. Clearly, there's something we could have done. Yeah. So I what, don't know what, what it in is. That case, do they do they know what that case was? Because I have a couple of theories. Well, masking has been a big deal in in Japan for years. I was in Japan last year, and a lot of people wear masks just to like not show their nose getting red from allergies. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when people said, "Hey, masks," you know, everybody masked. Um. That's probably a big part of it. They don't do handshakes. I mean, I don't know how much handshakes really contribute, but actually it's been kind of a joke uh, as we've been doing video mass, you know, at home here that um, all of our family has been going, Shuno Heiwa, which is, uh, I think, literally translated peace of God in Japanese because that's what they taught me to do at mass in Japan. So I oh. encourage everybody else to do it. Let's eradicate handshaking. Even if it doesn't cause COVID, let's eradicate handshaking. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i do think social practices can uh evolve a little bit you know the six foot rule doesn't just have to be during pandemic i actually like a little bit of pearls maybe yeah, yeah. not everywhere but uh my theory is like we focus so much on this one microscopic issue when i think part of the reason japan is being successful is because western civilization has horrible horrible health practices where not going outside we are obese we are sick every day and i feel like if we focus on that you know eating right getting nutrition exercise and stuff like that we're going to be less susceptible to these things i agree with a lot of that right? that's a good point and, that and if we had the ability to go to a doctor a lot of us can't go to doctors without facing many hundred of dollars of, of deductibles if we even have insurance yeah. at all yeah. um I've heard of stories of folks just, you know, having kids with seizures sitting in the parking lot waiting to see if the seizures subside so they can avoid going to the hospital and get a multi-thousand dollar bill. Whereas in Japan, you can, you know, they actually have a very private form of insurance. I'm sorry, I'm rambling here. But no, it's they, good. they, they, like, it's only like, it's a very small amount of money. Everything's a very fixed cost in their healthcare. So even if they were obese or, or had another underlying issue, they could actually get it taken care of or managed. Whereas we have big problems with getting people, you know, that kind of care yeah i think we need to be more proactive rather than reactive with this i agree yeah no i agree and it and only until we address and attack those issues uh -huh. um that's why i don't i i've spoken to too many nurses at the clinic i've heard a doctor specifically here at the cleveland clinic give a lecture uh on COVID 19 during the pandemic that he says it the fear and the hysteria is so much more worse than what the outcome of this thing is going to be and that just just magnified it yeah just kept on going and i a lot of the nurses that i know personally were under pressure to label and diagnose everything covid yeah see that's the weird thing though because i've seen the other side too it's like i've never seen polarized healthcare 
Right, right. But there, nobody agrees. You find doctors that are like, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with this every day. And other doctors are like, no, nah, it's not, you know, not Yeah, this. but there, when there's financial incentive involved yeah. to label things as COVID. Yeah. I mean, part of that, True. I think, is just bad testing because, I mean, yes. I mean the first test that came over were only with 30, 30% efficient, right? So, so I mean, it's like I, I, a large portion of that, I think, was just down to bad testing. Yeah. And if hopefully... We have to hope to God that it is only going to be this bad because it this is emulating the the nineteen eighteen flu epidemic, Spanish the Spanish flu. flu. That's yeah. what I'm curious. So like, that one and wasn't. If, and we've seen it mutating throughout the summer. People are getting reinfected, right? Yeah. Um, it is mutating. So we know what happened in the fall at that point, right? Fifty five million people then died. So. We have to hope that right now this is the how it's going to be. That is the best case scenario, because if it continues to what we had before and it is emulating that, you are looking at millions and millions dying because it keeps it keeps mutating until November. So we have to hope that it's not going to do that. What's what's the the death rate right now? Um, I think normal is less than three percent. Yeah. Which what's the survival rate? Anyone who gets infected with COVID. Uh, That's still being studied. People, people will say 99.9. It's high in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it's high. It's, above, it, it's 95 but, or higher. But so was the Spanish flu. So it, was Anytime we talk about so many people getting yeah. infected, millions and millions of people getting infected, I mean, so whatever, 97, 98, whatever the, the survival rate is, that translates to hundreds of thousands of people. They're projecting over 400,000 deaths by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, especially when you consider a bunch of countries with lots of people packed in really tight didn't have that happen and aren't projected to have that happen. Uh, it doesn't make us look good. Yeah, I just wonder if this is just a something, a uh, consequence of humanity at this point where mm-hmm. you, we might be able to combat COVID, but I mean, we're buying time and it's just going to kind of keep happening. You know what I mean? And not to saying it's not sad or we should accept that. But to me, I'm kind of saying we all, like you said, we're all packed in here, and this is the way we've kind of populated the world, and I do think it's just going to be, all right, we can get over this one, but it's another thing's going to happen, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm not saying we packed in. I'm, I'm saying other countries yeah. are, we're all packed in, and other countries manage this way better, I'm, which is yeah. absolutely true. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one argument. My argument was this could be an earth cleansing uh, the earth you know what i mean earth i think there's a, a balance of biology you know at some point you know we are infectious creatures when we came over with our our farm animals to the aztecs we wiped them out you know what i mean like this <laughs> disease we carry the disease and i think it's only a matter of time before we have more disease i agree oh yeah there's really gonna be another one this is why we yeah. we if we want to have less people to die because of pandemics because there will be more of them we probably have to do something different than what we did this time. Yeah, I get which was I, let Donald Trump manage it. <laughs> right. I mean, not to be a naysayer, I just think it's a form of uh, Mother Nature population control. I'm not going to say you know God's doing this, but I am going to say it's a consequence of just overpopulation. Well, I have said before that uh, oh, we got him going, Mike. You got yeah. him going. We are the virus, and the virus are the antibodies of the earth. 
God's, All right, Bill Gates. God's pinnacle creation. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. That's Godzilla. <laughs> the pinnacle I mean, of God's creation that we preached and believe. We are now the virus. Yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> both sides of the deck. Yeah. No, I. Well, if we're yeah. if we're gonna take uh, if we're gonna take that statement at face value, though, considering how many more Americans died, are Americans the virus? Oh, I, the American mentality I do think is in a virus right now. Yeah, the yeah. whole like. Man, it's just so combustible, and I think I'm not gonna say anything one side or another. I'll leave it there, sort of thing. But okay. I do think, you know, there's a lot wrong with um, Americans' belief system and, and selfishness yeah, in terms of what we do and how we operate in the rest of the world. Usury, wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would agree. I, I could see the argument in a sense for that, but to say that to think that somehow this could be divine intervention of God cleansing that so that we can change our practices. No, because what if the people who got sick from COVID were actually in really good condition and there were no other comorbidities and they had no heart disease right. and they, they didn't have cancer and they didn't have all these right. other things that COVID-19 just took it over the top. Maybe they would have had a chance, a higher chance to live. Yeah. If, so, if what? If, if they didn't have those things, like if we address these things. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, about, right like, back to, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Or if we took care of better care of people who had those things. I mean, the, the tricky thing about, you know, you know, describing divine intervention or, or describing it as a cleansing event is it didn't cleanse us as Americans equally. It right. cleansed. Mm-hmm. It cleansed people of color. Yeah. It cleansed poor people. It cleansed people who uh, drive buses, who work as cashiers. Uh, it cleansed doctors, uh, nurses. Uh, so it didn't hit us all equally. It, it basically, if there's any divine intervention of you know lesson from divine intervention it's like how do we treat these people how do we prepare it's like a very practical lesson if god's trying to teach us a lesson which i believe he's trying to teach us through all things i think he's trying to teach us some very practical lessons about being prepared and treating people well hmm Hmm. i don't know i personally don't like 1984 (laughs) and george orwell's book i i feel like if we're heading towards something it seems like that's what we're heading towards more compliance, more policies, more, 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 more bureaucracies. No, oh, yeah. six and a half feet, not six. New studies show the experts now say that these masks don't work, but these masks do. So, well, actually, you don't need that mask now. What you actually need is this. Right. So well, uh, this- we're going in circles. Yeah. Why is it so hard to admit that? Yeah. And, and I there's been a lot of health officials even in the higher ups who've had who have admitted they're like we're just trying to figure this out which is part of science yeah i mean it's to get it wrong yeah is it just me or is core mi- or does does core comorbidities yeah. yeah sound like a pokemon <laughs> <laughs> right? if you give it a funny spelling definitely you're right <laughs> <laughs> There is a Pokemon for everything. So, you know, a Pokemon for comorbidities, why not? I mean, there's a Pokemon who's like... If there was ever a zombie apocalypse, it was during that when I saw people just looking at their phones, walking around, (laughs) looking for Pokemans everywhere. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, pick your head up. Literally, like, falling and like... It was unbelievable. Yeah. Maybe sometimes I think we probably deserve the things we got coming to us. I mean, if you bring up zombies, though, like if we are, let's say we keep going down this path where we are like just like 
uh, implementing or implementing rules and science to fix this problem rather than changing our mindset of health and nutrition to fix this problem. Wouldn't that more likely create zombies is like, okay, now we're messing with more biology and more rules and and people are now not able to think for themselves. They're following, you know, I, I do think like that is just going further and further yeah. to destruction. So you are voting libertarian. Uh, who I, would, I wish I hope I don't I think we're out of time soon, but I wanted to cover. Are is there a libertarian, you know, party representative? Is there any? Yeah, sort Joe of... Jorgensen. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to look at him. Yeah, Joe Jorgensen. She. She. Oh. Do you, so are you, are you going to tell us why libertarians are great now? Well, do you got a clip from her? Just yeah, one clip. Do you have time? I, I didn't prep one. <laughs> oh, um, and I and honestly, so I also lean libertarian. Um. I, I don't think it's even the person that I'm trying to represent when I talk about libertarian. I think it's the party. Um, I'm tired of the two-party system. I'm, I'm ready for the two-party system to end. Um, it, it, I mean, it was one of, our, one, of, one of the co-founders of our country, right, John Adams, right, who, who said that it was his greatest apprehension in having a two-party system and the fact that you would have um, a political divide under two under two great leaders, and he said that would be the greatest evil that came out of constitutional rights. Hmm. So I mean, our own forefathers knew this was a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think George Washington also said, "Avoid a two party system." Yeah. yeah. So so I, I it's not even the fact that yes I I do like the uh, libertarian platform I do it does make every individual more responsible for their life. Okay, and I do like that. It yes. makes every individual more responsible, and it also recognizes more fully individual rights mm. of every person. Um, but on top of that, it will interject a third party, and that's what I really think the people need because that's going to disrupt everything. Because also on the libertarians, and you can pop in right after this. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Also on libertarians, they uh, in the platform. That there will be no lobbyists. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. So my, my question for you is, so I, I can totally understand the need for a third party. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. A lot of countries that are doing way better than us have at least three parties. Why do you think libertarians can break through the noise and actually be the one to carry this mantle of a viable third party? Because they already are. We already have libertarian people in Congress. We already have libertarian uh, representatives. No, no. There's like five. Um, <laughs> so, hey, it's, a, it's a start. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there are already representatives who are in seated in our government and as representatives who are libertarians. So it's, it's huge headway. And my, by the way, the only party outside of Republican or Democrat that has people working as representatives and in the government. Yeah. So. Yeah. So 99% of the libertarians, though, actually in office are at very low levels. Justin Amash is the one in the national level that I'm aware of, and he's not even running for re-election. Well, still so making my, progress. I, my, my thing that I see, like, I'm like why, how could the libertarians actually break through this, is I feel like all of their best stuff is already taken up by someone in a mainstream, or at least the stuff that resonates with the most with people. Like, in terms of, like, very limited regulation, kind of the almost, like, the nicer way of saying, like, burn down, you know, the bureaucracy. 
Uh, Republicans are doing a great job of burning down the democracy, the bureaucracy right now. Um, they're trying to burn down as much as they can, as fast as they can do it. Mitch McConnell is a libertarian, as far as I'm concerned. When you think of the other things that you could you could, you know, entice the other side with, I think of probably one of the most you know, uh, viable or interesting um, libertarian policies is universal basic income. And uh, Andrew Yang, in a couple months of running for president, did way more to advance the discussion than any libertarian candidate has done for decades. So I'm just not sure, like, where do they break through? Everybody's doing a little bit of them, and I don't see a big push to have all these things together and then have a lot of people push this party to actually, you know, that's that's a platform that a bunch of people are going to gravitate to. I agree. I agree with you, Keith. Um, and I think a big reason for that is, uh, I mean, it's funding. Funding, 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 funding. All right, I killed it. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's so much as to do with funding. I mean, it. whatever the libertarian or wh whoever the person's, whatever their platform is, this is where I think something is fatally wrong with the system that's set up right now. So if if a libertarian that does come up and does run, this per this lady you're talking about, if she were to promote certain ideas like, okay, there's, you're not allowed to have lobbyists now pushing with all these different packs and all these interest groups paying and putting all this money into your fund. Uh, it's not going to get anywhere. And I hate to say that because it, it, it really bothers me that it wouldn't get anywhere or like think of the last one, Ron Paul, right? Ron Paul stood no chance. Did he have a following? Yeah, he had a following. Mm -hmm. But some of the ideas he had that were truly groundbreaking and would truly rock the whole boat of our economic way of life here and how we do things and in and, and war and, and different things like that by auditing our Fed, the Federal Reserve, different things like that. Both sides were like, oh, no, 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 we don't want that. Mm. So exactly. there, there will be no funding for a person like Ron Paul ever, and he will never raise enough like a Trump mm. to get in office. But it's going to be the only way to break through. Again, I, I, when, you I have, when you have a two-party system, you are no longer ran by those two parties. You are ran by the oligarchy behind it. You are ran by the corporations behind it. You are I... ran by the special interest behind it. You're ran by the lobbyists behind it. And that's they're mostly the same companies on both sides. They're the mm. same corporations on both sides. The same oligarchs on both sides. I agree. They cater and they dangle carrots. Oh, look what we have. They dangle carrots and they create the tension on purpose. The media has definitely created the tension on purpose. So you have to go one way or the other. All right. They're the biggest culprits of it all. But. By having those two parties, you are not being ran by a Democrat or you are not being ran by a Republican. You are being ran by the company that supports them. And as long as you think like that, <laughs> you are being ran by that corporation. So I hope you like President Walmart. I, I agree. I totally agree with that. I just don't want to be called a conspiracy theorist anymore. <laughs> Do not call me one. <laughs> I, because I can back just... it. I can back it. No, I agree. And I'm, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> But those are just, man, those are harsh realities. Mm -hmm. I think in today's day and age, like Keith, you bring up a good point. If there, if we can identify what makes them stand out differently, um, we all have such a large voice now that 
really a campaign can be driven by the people yeah. in a way. So I, I do think if enough of us get together and create this movement, because it almost happened with the Tea Party yeah. a couple years ago or several years ago. And, and so I do think that would be the chariot there. There almost has to be the Linux of media, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about? Because so if, if, if a viable third party comes out, and we think we're going to use Facebook or Twitter, we're wrong. Mm -hmm. Because the moment we start doing that as a legitimate grassroots movement that actually has something legitimate to go somewhere to be a, a viable candidate, we will be shut down. I don't yeah. agree. I, not on Facebook. I'm not so sure about Google, but I think Facebook would see that as a revenue opportunity, honestly. Well, if they can make money on it. Right. <laughs> It is Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, so I don't... <laughs> I really feel like you have to tap into a, like a larger existing constituency that doesn't feel like they're being represented. So, for instance, probably one of the loudest and angriest at this point, I don't know how actually big it is, but um, progressives, um, they're reluctantly voting for Biden, by and large, but I don't think they're very satisfied. And some of the the more left-wing principles, of, you know, around like say, uh, you know, social issues, issues, liberty around those, uh, things like universal basic income, as I mentioned, um, you know, just having being generous with resources, but also giving people a lot of liberty to do things with them. Um, that could be a thing where the Libertarian Party could tap into progressive angst about the current corporatist Democratic Party, but why? By is the longer I think it holds on the kind of the classic libertarian you know view as it was you know conceived when the party came around like talking about things like about, you know completely eliminating welfare and relying on private charity for instance like we've kind of already proven that's basically impossible like there's not enough private charity in the universe to address people's health care needs for instance like you're you could give people you know you know a thousand dollars a month and they hit you know one life-threatening issue and suddenly there's a million dollar hospital bill and what charity is lining up to pay that none yeah. So I feel like certain certain the classic platforms are wildly out of step with our reality and where a lot of people who are upset with the status quo are going. I don't disagree with that. I just think there's elements of baby in that bathwater where it's like, okay, so no, you don't do charity, but we all know that community would solve a lot of these problems as f social injustice as well. So I do think if we can pitch it as putting our fate into the hands of the communities and educating communities and having programs around building communities, you know, that sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Oh, to yeah. Me. And there's several subsidiarity. What's that? Subsidiarity. That kind of the principle. It's a, it wasn't GK Chesterton who talked a lot about that, about really kind of focusing whatever was, you know, the, the, the best place to solve a particular problem. I mean, that could actually yeah. be a mantle. I think libertarianism, I don't know if they're going to get a critical mass with that, but it's an interesting idea to talk about right-sizing government support at each individual level and right. providing a lot of liberty within that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. There, there isn't money to go towards what you were just saying, you know, a million-dollar hospital bill, and I agree with that 100%. Right. That's where, if we look at our monetary system and how it's set up, you know, uh, the oligarchy, the word you use. And I agree with that. Please tell me how during one of the worst times in our country now, a pandemic, right? Or all these race relations and it, everything else that's still going on, right? Can a man like Bill Gates buy a, a $500 million home in the middle? You know what I mean? 
Yeah. This is also our vaccine savior too, by the way. But <laughs> um, how does this happen? How does how does a man like Jeff Bezos gross more than a small country? I'm pretty sure he's going to buy the next country. <laughs> Tell me how a system that's set up that enables something like that that's so grossly unimaginable for us can permit that and then yet we think that somehow there's going to be equality with the right and left exactly Gumby I think you just illustrated how we're going to get the first viable third party and how we're going to get that is Bill Gates is rich enough he could buy the presidency if he wanted to no, but how do you he doesn't want it yet the first billionaire or probably trillionaire who decides to do that and then organize a party underneath whatever he believes is the first viable third party I think which sucks but yeah. that's what I'm going with I think I think you're right I think that's what Ron Paul was able to get his name out there I think he was the closest thing to that billionaire kind of guy yeah yeah but he's he's a drop in the bucket compared to Bezos or, oh, or whoever yeah. Bill oh, Gates. Yeah. Is he a billionaire? He, he, he could get two percent of people vote for. I'm talking about I, I like he was, someone. Who's he moving. he he may have had some support, but I'm I, that man's a family doctor. Oh really? Yeah. I yeah, remember yeah. when he first ran. My parents were like, "Oh, he's only able to do this because he's so rich." So I, I think he was. I, I mean, he's, I, so, he's, he does well, okay. Maybe. Yeah, I'm he sure okay. he is. Yeah, lives a different lifestyle than us, maybe. But I I certainly wouldn't even put him in the same. Right. Boat yeah. is Bill Gates or anything like that, or no, Warren well, Buffett or anything. Bill like Gates that. Or, or Bezos. Bezos could buy his own country. He's a harsh. Buy, he's a harsh. Buying a presidency too. isn't just paying for ads or whatever. All that you know, self-funding your campaign, which Ron Paul could do, Bloomberg could do. Bill Gates, in theory, could buy a presidency by, like, for instance, saving the world from COVID by providing everyone with a vaccine, by like stepping in dramatically when the government failed. Someone who could set themselves up as a savior could then be elected president, I think, and then form a party under himself. So we need to talk to Bill. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> get get <laughs> Bill to believe whatever you believe, and now you have your perfect third party. All right. Okay, we have our work cut out for us. Yeah, I don't think Bill, Bill's lost cause. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw him eating a vegan Ron burger. Ron Paul had a lot of things going against him. I mean, you talk about disrupting the apple cart. You don't talk about the Federal Reserve. You just don't. You don't talk about changing how that operates. You don't do that. That's a big no-no. JFK did that. Uh, but I, I concede. That's not the only thing he did. They also have some other things in common, too. Ron Paul was a big critic of Israel yeah. and us financially supporting them. You know, I, and, and I, I, I like JFK. So um, JFK thought that, too. Yeah, he had his, he had his problems, but I, I, I've always liked JFK. But he says something very interesting once. Who did, JFK? And this is not a conspiracy theory. This is a quote from JFK. We know you're not one. Right. No. <laughs> uh, he said, um, there is a conspiracy in this country to enslave every man, woman, and child. Before I leave this presidency, I will expose it. That was seven days before he was assassinated. Yeah, I remember the speech. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right, now I believe in one conspiracy theory. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the term has just been, you know, it's a smear campaign now. You call somebody that or you call them a flat earther. You, you're, you don't want to tackle what they're talking about. You just need to smear them. And so that's what conspiracy theories does, especially within politics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, before we quit, I almost forgot. Remember, you guys didn't 
Didn't remind me. I have one personal Trump story. Okay. Oh. All right. Great. Is a friend of mine. Note. Is a friend of mine. <laughs> All right. Um. So he was actually one of the people who uh, were wiring his uh, his casinos. So he was down there wiring the casinos. They wired all of them, all the ones that he went bankrupt on. He wired. They wired all of them. His mm-hmm. company that and this, he worked for the company directly. Um. They, he said we did everything. He said then the minute that we ended. He did bankruptcy. Mm. He's like, and he didn't even try to compensate us. He said they, he didn't do anything. We lost all that money. All the wiring that went into every building. All the pay that went to every hourly guy. All He's like, he just walked away, he just walked away from it. Didn't even try to, to compensate us or anything. He said, didn't speak to us. He's like, we heard it from one of the people who showed up and just gave us a paper. He's like my my boss was so ticked off. He went in there and just started just started breaking stuff that he had just put in. <laughs> yeah, so wow. he's like, why why did he do that, Trump? Because he because he, he was losing money on it. he had to he had to file bankruptcy on his casinos. Um, yeah, was that and this when was that like ninety early mid nineties right yeah right around there yeah yeah. What's funny is that this is a a. A friend of mine, he's 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 Pentecostal. He's actually Puerto Rican. He's a Pentecostal Puerto Rican. So that's like, kind. When, yeah. So so when we went to sit down to have lunch, this is just this last week. He uh, he asked me. He was like, uh, "So what do you think about Trump?" Knowing that he's <laughs> a Pentecostal, I'm like, "I'll keep that myself." And he's like, "I hate the guy." All right, let's talk. She <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> got a list right here. And uh, yeah, and he told me the whole story, and I was like. Oh, that's terrible. Wow. But yeah, he's like, he's like, I hate that guy. He's like, I will never vote for him. <laughs> I, it baffles me about evangelicals. It really does. I mean, a person like Trump, all of this stuff, his history, how he got to where he is, it's not, you don't, you can find out. Yeah. And you don't get to the top of the New York Apple without being cutthroat, without being. Yeah. Yeah. That, that story of him stiffing people, it's repeated so many times. There's so many people to back that up. Uh, there's a book I read recently. I mean, the guy's a kind of a shameless political hack, Rick Wilson, but um, I love the title of his book. It's called Everything Trump Touches Dies. And <laughs> I mean, the about? guy bankrupted casinos. <laughs> How do you bankrupt, bankrupt a casino? Like, it's literally a, a business for scamming people that's legally allowed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's almost foolproof. It's like, it's like buying a Starbucks, you know? It's going to make money. <laughs> It's way more reliable than Starbucks. <laughs> man. That's a good story, Aaron. That's all I had. All right, man. I do want to apologize for the boomers. I didn't mean you're all racist. I meant there's a lot out there. <laughs> <laughs> they all stopped listening by now. They won't hear your apology. Okay, so so you should be okay because it turns out statistically very, very few of our listeners are actually boomers. All right, right. So you should be good. And now they never will be. I love I love all generations equally. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't tell the 30s and 40-year-olds that you don't like them because that's our biggest listener. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing taboo over brew. All right. Make sure you check us out on Patreon and Facebook, especially Patreon, because we need you guys to buy us some brews. <laughs> and Facebook and Twitter and pretty much every social media platform. And don't hesitate to jump over at anchor.fm forward slash Bible over brews because you can drop us a little bit of something there too. Have a great night.
Godspeed.